Do you want to jumpstart your innovation? Applications are open for the 2022 Rosamond Innovators Program. Connect with people who can speed up your scale-up in health tech, subject matter experts, clinicians, partners, and investors. Deadline to apply is April 11th. Visit rosamondinstitute.org to learn more. We landed on mental health uh, as, a, as a way to engage, and that's for a simple reason in our mind. At any given point of time in one's life, you would experience stress, anxiety, and at some episodic times, even depression. And so thinking from an engagement point of view, and that was way before pandemic time, where before, before people understood then that, that it is necessary to destigmatize mental health, we really thought about mental health in a broader context. And now, from San Francisco and the UCSF Rosenman Institute, the Health Technology Podcast with your host, Christine Winotto. Despite what your mom tells you, not all computer games are bad. Our guest today, Ofer Leitner, is proof of that. His company, Happify Health, uses the software science behind computer games for a good cause, healthcare. Ofer is currently the CEO and founder of Happify Health. He's also co-founded many other digital media companies, including Oberon Media. And today, he talks about how your mind can affect your health for better and for worse. Here's our conversation. Well, welcome, Ofer. Thanks for joining me today. Christine, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation. I thought it would be good for our listeners to start with a little bit of your personal background and the journey that you took to get to where you are today. Great. Happy to share a little bit of my background. So uh, I uh, grew up in Israel, moved here about 21 years ago with my previous previous company. Uh, Ended up kind of uh, coming to healthcare from what I would probably say a non-traditional background prior to uh, starting Happify Health. I was a co-founder of a fairly large casual game, social gaming company back in the early 2000s, first generation, social game, downloadable games, mobile games, then iPhone games. And uh, through that company, and uh, which we grew fairly quickly, we had about 60 million monthly uniques on the platform, uh, mastered the art of, uh, of behavior change and realized that if... Uh, uh, we can drive behaviors in gaming uh, with so many people at that scale. Um, it, it's a very powerful, uh, powerful ability to leverage technology. But one thing I didn't actually like is the addictive nature of those games. I really didn't like the idea that we can get people to come and do things that we want them to do on the device eight times a day, spending... Uh, many, many hours with us uh, on that platform. And so about eight years into that journey, the company was already fairly large. We looked at um, at the usage data and realized that we spent, the people spend 21 billion hours a year with us on the platform. When, it, when we divided this uh, number into the 60 million monthly uniques that we had on the platform, we, we realized that we're wasting 14 days 
a year on average for each gamer and nothing wrong with gaming. I love gaming. I think that it's, 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 you know, nothing wrong with entertainment, but I, I had a sense that if we can actually take that kind of uh, expertise that we mastered in behavior change, behavior change loops, and try to bring it to, towards uh, uh, slightly healthier behaviors, there would be something for us to to work on and, and something that I, I, my co-founder and I got uh, interested. So that's my background, consumer-grade technology, uh, uh, um, uh, user-centric, patient-centric uh, how do we how do we drive uh, behaviors using technology? And then when we kind of uh, went into uh, starting to think about better applications for that uh, uh, set of expertise, we landed on healthcare uh, quite naturally. This was before digital digital health and digital transformation was was so clear, you know, post uh, definitely post pandemic. Uh, but really, kind of uh, got interested in this idea of uh, bringing the technology, behavior change, uh, design, consumer-centric design, married with evidence-based science, and, and try to kind of engage as many people and drive healthier outcomes. Uh, uh, at that time, I kind of also uh, had my first uh, kid, and I started kind of realizing that if we don't change course with how we use technology, we, we might... Uh, seeing uh, the kids that we see today uh, glued into screens and essentially that wouldn't be the best use of uh, of time, most purpose, purposeful use of time. So that, that's kind of uh, the journey. I've been an entrepreneur. This is my third company, started my journey, spent a couple of years in management consulting, then uh, early stage investments, but really wanted to um, to build uh, and explore ideas that can um, can find markets and opportunities to to help something more meaningful. I'm glad that you shifted. I mean, as a mother of a teenager, uh, game is always like seems to be our enemy. Uh, I think you talk to a lot of parents, and uh, it's interesting you're mentioning about how the game industry you learn certain behavior can drive interest or continuous interest into your product that create an addiction. And I'm sure the more addicted people are, it's better for the revenue. Uh, can you share with us, like what are the certain behavior that you learn for a human to get them engaged as important to make them engage to, with your product? Like what are the things that get people like hooked? So, 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 you know, the, the formula in gaming is fairly simple. You use color palettes, you use sounds, you use uh, level design, you use all of those very well-mastered uh, me- mechanics to ultimately infuse dopamine in the brain. It's as simple as that. You want to create uh, stimulates, you want to ask for an action, you want to reward, and if you do it enough time uh, along a, a, a level progression of a game, you, you could actually drive addicting behavior and, and really kind of uh, uh, fool the brain to really seek for that dopamine in the next uh, in the next move. Now, when you start thinking about that kind of behavior, the insights for what we built and created in Happify over the years was this idea that what if we can tune down the level of, of uh, engagement and really rather than trying to bring people eight times a day, really think about something that is there for them to support certain types of clinical protocol journeys that they have, 
And that's kind of what we, we've done. A lot of the core concepts in gaming, uh, we actually decided to tune down. So, for example, there is no place for competition in healthcare, in, in, in our experience, right? While in gaming, uh, a major drive, driver for behaviors is, is leaderboards, for example, right? Uh, how am I doing compared to my peers? Uh, in healthcare, if you try to put that uh, front center, you're most likely not going to get the best engagement. So all of those mechanics and, uh, uh, you know, color palettes and, and, and all of those kind of well-known and understood uh, mechanics that have been optimized to death in, in gaming, we thought that there was a better use for them. And ultimately, uh, what we've done with Happify and the, the journey that we've done there was really kind of taking those concepts, tune them down, and starting to think about how do we marry them with evidence-based science, uh, 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 you know, interventions that were sitting in the ivory tower academic uh, uh, research labs, uh, and really kind of how do we externalize them? How do we leverage the power of technology to disseminate them at scale? Uh, one of the core themes that we got interested in as we started thinking about uh, um engagement of patients with healthcare was about what's the common theme that we can uh, engage people, whether they understand it or not, but something that in our mind was the broadest uh, common way to engage people. And we landed on mental health uh, as, a, as a way to engage. And that's for a simple reason in our mind. At any given point of time in one's life, you would experience stress, anxiety, and at some episodic times even depression and so thinking from an engagement point of view and that was way before pandemic time where before before people understood then that that it is necessary to destigmatize mental health we really thought about mental health in a broader context the first context was really hey can we actually help uh, address this as a primary indication help people reduce stress anxiety and depression that's interesting the second uh, dimension was how can we, when that is happening, if we're able to incorporate evidence-based science, CBT, other mechanism of actions, what happens to other health behaviors when people feel better? When you feel better, are you more adhering to your medical protocols? Do you tend to take a better advice from uh, your physicians? So, so the impact on mental health on behaviors. And then the third dimension, which I actually was most attracted to, was what is the real connection between body and mind and what happens in our physiological body systems when we're actually treating uh, and supporting people with their with behavioral interventions. We often hear about many diseases that are triggered uh, uh, by, by um, episodes of stress, anxiety, and sometimes depression, autoimmune diseases, skin disorders, cardiovascular uh, diseases, uh, oncology, cancer journeys, uh, and, and there's a very clear kind of definition and, and connection, physiological explanation about, you know, uh, how you could leverage uh, behavioral intervention to address those kind of uh, indication. And that was the area that we got most fascinated in, in kind of thinking through a broader context of mental health beyond the indication, hey, let's help people feel uh, less stressed, less anxious, less depressed. But let's really study the connection in a clinical kind of setting of the impact on behavioral intervention on different indications in disease areas that we're interested in. So that that's kind of the, the journey we've uh, 
Uh, we brought uh, on board probably the most multidisciplinary team that I've ever worked with. Uh, game designers uh, sitting next to uh, clinicians, next to AI folks, next to technology platform people, next to uh, content uh, experts. And really kind of uh, the, the one common theme that was uh, common between all of those people, they were passionate about this mission. Hey, can we build a an end-to-end clinical-grade platform that really kind of uh, take this mechanism of action of mental health and really explore how far we can uh, bring it to market, both on the uh, you know concept of mental health, but also the uh, mental health as a comorbidity that... Uh, you know, it's, it's an underlying condition for most uh, physical conditions. So that that's kind of the journey. Yeah. So, I mean, does that mean that you're saying for different uh, disease condition that people experience also uh, mental health challenges? Is the treatment different based on different disease condition or it's kind of you view it as is all mental health? Yeah, so, so the, what, what we've built over the years uh, is a clinical-grade technology platform that ultimately builds both digital therapeutics and care journey experiences. We can talk about our view about patient-centric healthcare, but putting those together, we're really kind of trying to ultimately use technology to shorten the gap between need and care. So can we use software as medicine? Can we use uh uh, those principles that allow us to, to arrive to clinically validated product at scale to solve some of the healthcare challenges. The approach that we've taken with this platform is essentially to build a set of uh, horizontal services, um, which allows us to kind of address wellness applications, AI, coach that trains, uh, that is trained per specific disease, care journey solutions. Uh, think about this as a community all places in a four patient in a single disease, all, all the care that they need in one place, and then digital therapeutics. And essentially that horizontal uh, capability that we've built on a platform basis allow us then to go and, in, and verticalize it into uh, disease areas that we're interested with a unique uh, implementation of those uh, uh, tools and services on the platform for specific needs. So for example... Uh, we recently kind of published a study of um, real-world evidence study about the impact of behavioral interventions on migraine patients, which, which you know, uh, many kind of studies uh, made a clear connection between stress and anxiety and migraine pain. Uh, there's a whole kind of physiological explanation. I'm happy to dive in, but for the non-clinical audience, I, uh, I will save it. But the, the basic idea is that if you are able to reduce anxiety and depression, anxiety and stress with migrant patients. Uh, we not only found that we're able to reduce uh, those kind of depression, anxiety, we also found that we're able to reduce migrant pain and we're able to reduce migrant days, so frequency between kind of uh, migraine attacks. Uh, another example, we've long been interested in uh, MS as a as a neurological uh, disease, uh, people living with MS, we do know that the vast majority of those will experience uh, depression, uh, both organically and also as kind of result of a difficult journey. Uh, we were able to demonstrate that with the type of behavioral interventions that we're kind of offering uh, and the 
kind of context that we're setting in that journey for those patients living with MS, we're able to reduce fatigue, which is a biomarker of the disease. Now, if you're looking at the pharmacological solutions for MS, uh, uh, for patients living with MS, very large market, $26 billion market, and yet not a single uh, uh, pharmacological solution that address a, an indication and a biomarker of the disease around fatigue. So we were able to do that. And ultimately, the way our platform works, we can do it across different conditions. We have uh, interest in skin disorders, asthma, migraine, cardiovascular diseases. We've done work with the American Heart Association. That's the approach. It's the same set of interventions, but applied in context and studying different endpoints in each of those kind of solutions. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Rutnick's Global Life Sciences Group, a team of legal professionals that help life science companies, lenders, and investors around the world turn good science into good business. Learn more at brownrudnick.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Canon Quality Group. Canon Quality Group has been helping medtech startups set up quality management systems for over 10 years. If you're unsure when to get started with quality management in your startup, Turn to the experts at canonqualitygroup.com. How hard, how challenging it was for you to scale it, you know, with the same concept for, say, for migraine patient, for MS, and you all, I mean, how different is it for each one of different disease conditions? Yes, so we are, uh, I call it an, uh, and nine years in the making, what what kind of we discussed a little bit, no overnight success uh, in healthcare. You've got to be fully committed to the journey. Uh, there's no shortcuts in if you're aiming at healthcare, right? I mean, you need to build a product, make sure that uh, uh, users are engaging. You have the longitudinal data to show that. You have to run randomized controlled studies. You've got to demonstrate to your client, customers, partners that you work with that, you know, the solution works for them. Uh, no shortcuts. Uh, one of the key, I think, things that uh, make us different in the marketplace is that we really thought about a framework from a platform point of view first. And then once the platform was ready and we studied the framework of this platform, do we have the set of interventions that consistently, no matter if you study on, 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 younger population, older population, chronic condition population, CADE population, do we see the consistent outcomes if those uh, interventions are applied? Once we studied that, there was a whole group uh, which kind of we, we added to the company about two and a half years ago that really builds the more clinical solutions on the platform. This is, uh, we call them specialty solutions. Those are anywhere from non-prescription uh, digital therapeutics, those who are kind of built on a, still on a quality management system, enforcement discretionary. Uh, so, so those are governed by uh, uh, the FDA, but do not require the registration. Those, are, those applications, uh, you know, deliver claim level of management of symptoms. So we can manage symptoms of MS, we can manage symptoms of, uh, patients with uh, a, a condition. And then next to those, we're building set of applications which are prescribed digital therapeutics. Those need uh, uh, to be certified as software as medical device, 510K, the novel 
but really, it, it is the platform that we invested so many years in building and validating that allows us now to industrialize uh, uh, the pace around uh, around the solution and healthcare challenges that we're looking to solve for. Uh, we're very interested in women's health. We have several deployments in women's health. Uh, very interested in um, skin disorders, asthma, cardiovascular. It's interesting because I feel like you're building something that's like almost like a plug and play. Just like put one more for different disease condition, and then as you go, and then you add another one. So that's kind of it. Make it so flexible in a way. So, so the approach that we've taken is a platform play and uh, um, kind of allow for configurability. We call those kind of solutions that we put uh, using those set of services that we built on the platform. We call them sequences. So essentially think about it as a, as a clinical sequence to support a journey of a member around a disease area or a condition. Uh, when we put those together, we really kind of... Uh, uh, piggybacking of years of platform investment. So yeah, we, we don't write code for new uh, for, for new disease areas or conditions that we're supporting. Um, the other thing which is interesting about how, the way we were thinking about it is that you know a lot of people um, are thinking that healthcare needs to be completely rewritten, right? From from kind of the the delivery system and how that kind of works and kind of let's build it all let's let's you know we don't care about the incumbents and let's just build it uh, brand new and our approach from the get-go was and, and we went through a journey by the way this is we, we landed uh, in that place we didn't start there but we we kind of um, thought that you know I don't see the payers uh, disappearing from the equation anytime soon. I don't see the pharma companies disappearing from the equation anytime soon. I don't see providers, large kind of provider systems disappearing from the equation anytime soon. So that everything that we built on a digital kind of transformation, digital health, needs to be completely configurable to support and essentially drive value to patients first, always patient-centric, and then to the partners that we work with. So we work with, uh, you know, three out of the five national health plans uh, using our services in different disease areas, seven out of the 20 uh, uh, big pharma companies are building solutions that kind of using the platform services. We really kind of uh, see ourselves as solving some of the kind of challenges, but not all of them. And when we don't solve some of the component, we really work uh, closely on what we call federation of, uh, of networks, right? So, so we are in the software business. That's what we know. Software is medicine. We know how to engage members. We know how to drive them into uh, software-driven, AI-driven care. But that's not the only care that patients, members need. Sometimes, often more so the case, they will need to... to meet physicians, they will need to meet uh, other clinical uh, uh, providers. Uh, our, our view is we, we just want to make sure that those folks can be easily integrated into this journey, uh, into this kind of precision care stack, we call it, and, and let those people really treat the, 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 and, and kind of care at the top of their license where software will treat those who are uh, those who can be treated through software much more scalable cost efficient and 
you have engagement and you can prove that it seems to be working. Mm-hmm. Bring us back to when you first started. I'm just thinking now that you have so many different, like reconfigurable, but adding on so many specific diseases. In the beginning of the journey, I, I often see when a company just started, you know, the investor was like, well, that's too narrow or oh, that's too generic, too too broad. And how do you overcome that? Because I think when you said you focus on building the platform first and people were just saying like, well, that's, you know, probably like, who's the market? Like, where's the market? It's like, that's, how do you overcome that? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so you know, we, we, we kind of, uh, while we always thought about this, the problem that we're trying to solve is a platform solution to solve, we decided to start with a very narrow uh, application. Only later it became like a giant opportunity for itself. But let's see if we can reduce stress, anxiety, and depression in a clinical, evidence-based, uh, validated uh, 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 fashion. So, so that was the first uh, approach. We knew that the set of interventions that we're putting together, the, the repository of evidence-based interventions, CBT, positive psychology, mind, mindfulness, about eight different mechanisms of actions that are validated, tested. We, we do not invent uh, new science. We, we transform uh, and translate science into, into software, engaging software solution. But that, that was the, the first goal that we had. Can we actually, in real-world setting, in randomized control environments, demonstrate that we can reduce depression, anxiety, that people would use the product and that it would deliver the value uh, and better care, more efficient, uh, scalable care. Once that was there and we knew that that primary indication, we know how to repeatedly deliver it, we kind of went into question number two and three. What type of behaviors do I see when I reduce, uh, were, were we able to reduce depression, anxiety? Do we see people more adhering to their medical protocols? Do we see people more adhering to their kind of um, drug adherence? You know, we have a huge problem. People, you know, they get prescription and they don't uh, always just follow the clinical protocol. Is there an impact there? We then say, okay, but now let's look at disease areas that really have very strong ties and connection, literature, uh, validated uh, beyond any doubt, the connection between the mental health and the physical health, right? So if you're thinking about the reason why this works across many conditions, it's it's not necessarily because the way we wrote the platform and developed the platform, it's because the science suggests that, you know, our brain is being the command and control unit for our central uh, nervous system, uh, nervous system being the one activating all of our physiological systems, uh, uh, you, you can calibrate if those systems are thrown off because of stress and anxiety. You could start seeing many parts of our body, many systems in our body uh, uh, behaving in a way that generates diseases. So the evidence, the clinical evidence for that replicability of the approach was there. The platform thinking was from the get-go, we want to design. We're platform people, even in our gaming world. We never wrote code for applications. We wrote the platform and then configure the 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 game configured the therapeutic in, in, in a very uh, uh, flexible way. Uh, and, and really kind of once we saw the success with uh, the mental health, we said we can actually apply this exact same approach to 
you know, today about 10 conditions that we're working with uh, different partners. I know it's like almost close to our time, uh, but I want to ask you one uh, question. Um, so this is Hepify, is your first healthcare company. Um, what lesson that you learned that that you learned from the, the gaming industry that you thought would be helpful for the healthcare company to not to be not the case? Oh, there's so many things that I've learned to be not the case. As, as you know, uh, healthcare is, is you know, I, I often, my partner and I always joke and say that had we known everything we know today on healthcare, who knows if Happify uh, Health would have been, uh, would have been born. Um, uh, and, and kind of more seriously, you know, we, we moved from the probably one of the fastest moving uh, industries, right? In the gaming industry, you build a game in three months, you launch it. Agile prototyping, you see if it's working, great. When you move to healthcare, you deal with a kind of a complex system to begin with. You're dealing with clinical world. So so it's, it's you know, at any given time, somebody can come and say, show me the data that what you have produced clinical evidence. You have to take the time to do it. So I think lesson learned for me was you really need to come uh, baked with your decision uh, that you're pursuing a purposeful kind of journey. If you're not there for the authentic reason, you want to help improve people's life, you want to help uh, solve for challenges that have to do with health, uh, you will be crushed by this industry slowness, uh, sometimes uh, complexity, sometimes conflicting interests of entities that are playing in the ecosystem. So you have to be willing to dedicate the time and kind of be very purposeful in how you're thinking about it. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two, um, you know, have a pretty good plan of uh, of where you're trying to make the impact. What's the go-to market that you want to pursue? You know, we began our journey simply from a direct-to-consumer because that's kind of the, the world that we're starting. Uh, little had we know when we started that... Uh, the consumer behavior in healthcare does not really suggest that we're we're primed to take our credit card and just pay for our healthcare, right? It's my provider, my healthcare insurance provider, and and I see a lot of uh, companies spending too much time working unit economic, working uh, you know uh, all of those things that ultimately are not really the path that they go, and then they go back and say, okay, oh, we should go after payers, we should go after providers. Uh, so have a really good game plan of why you're spending time with consumers. I think it is, in hindsight, one of the most uh, important things that we were able to do is spending the time with consumer and really work the product, validate that it's working in real world, uh, optimize engagement. You know, our, our we have today uh, our retention rate for cohort months 36 is, is over 30%, which is kind of best in class in in consumer-grade internet, we wouldn't be able to achieve that had we not been naive to think that we will solve the direct-to-consumer model. Uh, luckily, some of the investors and people that we met here in the company said, guys, you've got uh, uh, an incredible vision, but, you know, go-to-market is not that's how, not how you, you go to market. Uh, so really kind of, uh, I call it... Uh, Measure twice, cut once in terms of understanding your go-to-market and what what are the implications of uh, you choose to go employers, major implications of what type of company you're building. You choose to go 
uh, health plan? What's the sequence? Why are you going? And what 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 are the requirements for you to be even a candidate to go work with with a payer? You choose to go with pharma. Different type of complexities, regulation, compliances. Uh, so really, kind of be thoughtful about what's your game plan and how you're going to bring your innovation, your product to market. That's lesson number two. Lesson number three, I I. I, I keep learning every day and you got to be open to learn and adjust and adapt. That's probably true to any level of innovation and kind of entrepreneurship, but in healthcare specifically in this time where we really are rewriting uh, many of the foundational layers uh, uh, through this healthcare transformation, through this digital transformation, you have to be flexible. You have to have a North Light, uh, the North Star but you have to be very flexible in how you think about uh, the opportunities, the market change, uh, legislation changes. Uh, you just have to be passionate about solving for the problem you, 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 you're solving for and uh, bring a lot of good people that know the industry. That's another maybe lesson learned. Uh, you know, by definition, I don't know much about, you know, FDA, you know, clinical trial requirements. But I need to bring the best people that I can attract as an entrepreneur that bring that domain. And and so you, you have to accept the idea that you don't know any everything. You know, some, you have expertise in some areas. You have to build multidisciplinary team. That's, you know, if, if you, and I've, I've seen some entrepreneurs that think they know everything. It just doesn't work in healthcare by design. Yeah. So from what you're saying, uh, the naiveness about you know understanding consumer it actually it worked out really well even though it, i mean you were saying that going direct to consumer probably is not the best route in uh, for consumer health but actually when you first think about it allow you to really understand the the patient centric the consumer centric yeah i i, I think that spending time with consumer is a must right if you build a, a product that ultimately consumer will, will use but we probably spent two and a half years and grew to 50,000 paying subscribers to our service, which, you know, completely unnecessarily. So, so <laughs> in hindsight, obviously. So, yes, it helped yeah. us understand and build capabilities that the company uses today in our enterprise world. Uh, but I probably could have uh, shaved a year to a year and a half on that journey. I think that spending a year testing, validating, optimizing your product uh is probably what we could have done uh better but but again i go back to healthcare takes time requires patience requires uh, uh deep commitment to to the mission that you, you you're kind of standing behind and uh, uh in hindsight you know it's all uh, a learning experience and people need to approach it as such yeah, well, you know, you guys been doing great, making great progress, and uh, and thank you for sharing your story, your insight, and your lesson learned. And uh, good luck. Uh, I think you guys are doing great thing. Yeah, thank you, Christine. Great to uh, to have this chat with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Technology Podcast. We want to thank our executive producer, Herminio Neto, and our podcast engineer, Andrew Rojek. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. 
The Health Technology Podcast is available on all major platforms.